We are the Mystery History Podcast. I'm Allison. And I'm Rachel. Welcome to episode 73 on Mr. Kurt Cobain. Yep. It's going to be a wild ride, folks. Is it? Maybe. They always (laughs) are. They always are. (laughs) Aren't they? (laughs) So before we get into the nitty gritty of Mr. Cobain, we've got a few things to talk about business wise. Um, Rachel, who are we shouting out? Jeremy, as always, for all the fantastic graphics that he supplies for our episodes, continues to amaze us every week. (laughs) It really, the one for Kurt Cobain that he put together is fire, as the kids like to say. As those kids like to say, his stuff is so much better than we ever could have hoped yeah, he, his uh, creativity is off the chain. And just so. like how he puts our logo in everything. I just love it so much. Yeah, I <laughs> And do I have too. no idea how he does it. He's amazing. And <laughs> you, can, you can follow him on Instagram at rusthate77 and give him some love. We, we love him. Yeah, and, and we would appreciate it if you guys loved him too. Yes, Thank you. Yes. <laughs> okay, so... Um, we don't have any voicemails or anything to share. Um, I know it's time guys. I'm ready for another voicemail. <laughs> yeah, she's ready. So uh, like, share, subscribe to our stuff. We love looking at the comments on Apple. Um, send us a message on Instagram, Facebook, email us at mysteryhistorypod at gmail.com. If you um, give us some love, we will shout you out on the show and read your comment. Patreon is up also. Um, We still are doing the special where if you join either the $2 tier or the $5 tier, you get a free sticker. Free is my favorite price. Yep, mine too. And the discount codes are back for merch. So you can get 10% off if you join the $2 tier or 20% off if you join the $5 tier. Why don't you talk? It is. And winter's coming, y'all. You need sweatshirts. hoodies. Yeah, I know we so. need to order. We need to order off of our own stuff because I need a hoodie like Me right too. now, and they're I'm good ready. quality. I mean, yeah, yes, they are. I'm excited. I need one, and it's. I mean, it's still too hot. Just the second, but yeah, we're getting there. I'm excited. This week on like Wednesday or something, it's supposed to be like 61 mm-hmm. is the high, and I'm so excited for the whole day. Really? Yeah. yeah. Oh man, this is Halloween taking a turn. I yeah. know I, we, we decorated for Halloween, uh, last weekend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like as soon as was even sort of acceptable and we've still been like putting more and more stuff out and I keep buying stuff and I just, I'm so excited. We watched, are you afraid of the dark today for You're most of the day? The um, I skipped over a couple of the episodes that I know extra scare me. They were <laughs> well, pretty they intense. Did. I know some of them are, I feel like, well, Gio's not paying any attention to anything, but Lana was asking some questions while we were watching some of them. And I was like, Oh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> so, I needed a break from Halloween town, which we have now watched four times. <laughs> I love that movie too. Yeah. It's a good one. It is. Uh, it really is. But I'm over it for this week. <laughs> Why don't you tell um, them about uh, our discord? 
Yeah, get on our Discord, you guys. Get on there and talk to us. We've got all these new channels on there. Um, not a whole lot of activity, really, right? Not right now, no. So At let's, the moment. let's change it. Yeah, let's change that. Let's get on there. Let's all chat. It's spooky season now, so we have things to talk about. Yes, so we let's, do. Let's do it. Okay, um, we are going to be doing a giveaway. It's Yay! It's our time. It's Halloween. The time is upon us. Um, yep. So... We're going to be we're going to be posting something on our Facebook and our Instagram that gives the rules of this giveaway. Um, but mm -hmm. they will be you'll get a point for each one that you do. So if you like us on Facebook, if you like us on Instagram, tag three of your friends, and if you share our you know our giveaway, and then you you have to tag us in it though, so we can count you. Uh, but each one will be an entry to our T-shirt giveaway, and we're letting you choose whichever T-shirt you would like. And we will send it to you. We're going to, this one's going to kind of be a long time period here. We're giving you until October 14th. So there's no excuses. Everybody has time. Mm -hmm. um, and then we'll announce the winner, hopefully live at our Brownella meetup event. Yep. That's the plan. So for those points, just to be clear and make sure nobody is confused, you have to like us and tag three friends for a point yes. on Facebook. And then you can also do that on Instagram. And that would be two points. Um, we have to do both those things together and then share and tag us. So yeah, yeah, I'm excited and I'm really excited for our meetup. Me too. Coming That's so a, soon. It really is. So we've talked about it in, on October 16th, we're going to Galleon, Ohio, and we are doing an investigation at Brownella cottage which is supposed to be like one of the most haunted places in Ohio. Um, they have equipment there that we can use for this investigation. I've never investigated anywhere before, so I don't know how it's going to work, but yeah, I'm it'll be an adventure. Yeah. But um, space is limited. So if you would like to come, we've got a couple people signed up. We're super excited. Uh, some people we've met, some people we have not. Um, it will be a really fun time. And we would love if you could, um, if you could, join in the fun yeah i love new friends we're ready to meet some new people and some ghosts yeah yeah it's gonna be great it i'm very be. excited i'm also excited about our little extra adventure to the reformatory that'll yes. be good yeah so we're gonna go before the meetup to uh, Ohio State Reformatory. You can do a self-guided tour there. So if, if anybody would be interested in doing that, we will be going um, and we can lock down a time. I think the tour is like 25 bucks, but you can pretty much go everywhere you would want to in, in there. And I've been there before. It is a monstrosity. I tell you that like it is huge. 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 Yeah. It'll be good. I'm excited. We're going to have a good time. So are, join us, friends. Things are coming along. So excited. Yeah. Okay. Would you, do you got anything else for the business that you would like to add? No, I don't think so. I think coming up with the giveaway was my uh, brain. Yeah. Rachel giveaway. wants to give you all free stuff. So you better yeah. love her long time. And I want to have more listeners so we get more voice messages. <laughs> <laughs> it is exciting. I have, a long, I have a long game here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, why don't you go ahead and get us started with um, Mr. Kurt Cobain? All right. So 
just to like start us off, I I'm the one that suggested Kurt Cobain. Um, and I did actually learn a lot while doing the notes for this, but I just had to remember that I had watched a documentary. I mean, I'm talking like years and years ago about the like suspiciousness surrounding his death. And there were a lot of conspiracy theories floating around as to if he actually committed suicide or not. And I was like, well, that would be an interesting thing to talk about. But then I spent a lot of time just researching his like early days and I learned a lot. So hopefully you guys do too. Um, I thought it was interesting. So I'm going to start at birth and we're going to work our way through it. So Kurt Donald Cobain was born at Grace Harbor Hospital in Aberdeen, Washington on February 20th, 1967. He was the son of waitress Wendy Elizabeth and automotive mechanic Donald Leland Cobain. His parents were married on July 31st, 1965 in Cordaline, Idaho, and his ancestry included Dutch, English, French, German, Irish, and Scottish. Wow. Just like lot, lots of us. Yeah. <laughs> Melting pot. Right. His Irish ancestors emigrated from Carrickmore in 1875, and researchers found that they were shoemakers. Shoemakers. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. I don't know why. I think other people's genealogy is interesting yeah. as well as my own. So I don't know. But um, and they first settled in Canada where they lived in Cornwall, Ontario, before moving to Washington. So that was like his ancestry. And then he has a younger he had a younger sister, Kimberly, who was born on April 24th, 1970. So just a few years younger. Yeah. So Cobain's family had a musical background. His maternal uncle, Chuck Fradenberg, played in a band called the Beachcombers. His aunt, Mary Earl, played guitar and performed in bands throughout Grays Harbor County. And his great uncle, Delbert, I love that, had a career as an Irish tenor, making an appearance in the 1930 film King of Jazz. Kurt was described as a happy and excitable child who also exhibited sensitivity and care. His talent as an artist was evident from an early age as he would draw his favorite characters from film and cartoons, such as the creature from the black lagoon, which is cool. Um, uh -huh. And Donald duck in his bedroom. He was encouraged by his grandmother, Iris Cobain, a professional artist. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, I thought that was neat. Like his whole, like uh, a large portion of his family was musically inclined and then he had a professional artist as a grandmother. So I thought that was Yeah, neat. that is. Yeah. Also, I love the name Delbert too. Yeah, Delbert. <laughs> That's a good one. That is. So Cobain developed an interest in music at a young age. According to his Aunt Mary, he began singing at the age of two. At age four, he started playing the piano and singing writing a song about a trip to a local park. He listened to artists, including the Ramones and Electric Light Orchestra, and he would sing songs like Arlo Guthrie's Motorcycle Song, uh, Hey Jude by the Beatles, Terry Jack's Seasons in the Sun, and the theme song to the Monkees television show. I love the Monkees. Can I just say that? I do like, too. I love that whole CD. I don't even care if they were really singing. It's good. Wait, are they like supposedly not really singing? I don't think so. Well, then who's singing? Somebody who sings pretty, pretty well. I feel like it's a good feel good CD, right? It is. Yeah. I feel like not a lot of people know about the monkeys. You know, 
do you remember well of course you do I'm gonna say this like I know you remember the now and then soundtrack yeah (laughs) had daydream believer on it yeah I love that I love the whole now and then soundtrack though like that was perfect oh my gosh not to go off on like a tangent here but Devin Sawa posted on like Twitter or something and he said do do you guys realize that if they would have made now and then now it would have been about a group of girls in the 90s growing up and I was like (laughs) it'd be cool though I know when I was like they should do that like how cool would that be but also like that makes me barfy thinking about the fact (laughs) but that's like us now so like yeah that would be about us I'll be Rosie O'Donnell. You don't have to be Rosie O'Donnell. You could be Rita, uh, Tom Hanks's wife. Okay. I feel like that's actually a closer fit for you. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate that. (laughs) Like, really? It's like perfect. But yeah, I was like, that's so cool. So, and anyways, but yeah. Yeah. Love all right they should do that though and then they could they get should. the people from now and then to play in now and then now like like they're like parents or something moms yeah yeah so cool it's all planned out we got it we solve problems you know mm-hmm. we really do yep. okay so they should hire us yeah <laughs> we have good ideas we do um When Cobain was nine years old, his parents divorced. He later said the divorce had a profound effect on his life, while his mother noted that his personality changed dramatically. Cobain became defiant and withdrawn. In a 1993 interview, he said, I remember feeling ashamed for some reason. I was ashamed of my parents. I couldn't face some of my friends at school anymore because I desperately wanted to have the classic, you know, typical family mother, father. I wanted that security. So I resented my parents for quite a few years because of that. And that was a time whenever, you know, divorce was still a taboo thing. Yeah. I think it affected him a little bit more than it would the typical person though, too. I don't know. I can't, I mean, I can't really say, but I was watching, um, whatever documentaries on HBO max right now. I, I put it down at the bottom as you know, citing sources. Cause I think I pulled some thoughts from there, but, um, I heard him talking about it. Like they had video footage. I don't think it was of that 93 interview, but it's like, I don't know. It seemed like it affected him a little bit more than it, it did the average bear just, mm-hmm. and I mean, I guess you'll find out why as we go through this a little bit more, but, um, his parents found new partners after the vo- divorce, Although his father had promised not to remarry, he married Jenny Wedeby um, to Kurt's dismay. So when it says that he promised not to remarry, he actually like said, I'm not going to get married again Yeah. after the divorce. And Kurt, I think, took that as a promise. I don't think he like, I swear really on meant my it. life. Right. Not, yeah. Like, you know how people are like, I'm In not that time, that again. Is, right. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And maybe he did promise at the time. Maybe he was like, yeah, no, I'm definitely, I promise I'm not doing that again. But, you know, just that changes as time goes on. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I thought that was kind of interesting that as a child, he's like, he promised and then he got married again. And it was yeah. like very upsetting to him. So Cobain, his father, Westaby, and her two children, Mindy and James, moved into a new household. Cobain liked Westaby at first as she gave him the maternal attention he desired. And then in January 1979, Westaby gave birth to a boy, Chad Cobain, 
And this new family, which Cobain insisted was not his real one, was in stark contrast to the attention Cobain was used to receiving as um, an only child or as an only boy. And he soon began to express resentment towards his stepmother. Cobain's mother began dating a man who was abusive and Cobain witnessed the domestic violence inflicted upon her with one incident resulting in her being hospitalized with the broken arm. Wendy refused to press charges, remaining committed to the relationship. Wow. Yeah, that's a hard yeah. thing for a child to see with all the changes and and everything. Yeah. I could see why he would feel like that an, way. Yeah, like an upheaval and then also just like turbulent. Mm-hmm in all of it. Cobain bis- dip, oh my goodness, I can't talk, behaved insolently towards adults during this period and began bullying another boy at school. His father and Westby took him to a therapist who concluded that he would benefit from a single family environment. Both sides of the family attempted to bring his parents back together to no avail. On June 28, 1979, Cobain's mother granted full custody to his father, which probably sounds like the best thing for him. Yeah. Um, Cobain's teenage rebellion quickly became overwhelming for his father, who placed his son in the care of family and friends. While living with the born-again Christian family of his friend Jesse Reed, he became a devout Christian and regularly attended church services. His later renounced he later renounced Christianity, engaging in what was described as anti-God rants. The song Lithium is about his experience while living with the Reed family. Religion remained an important part of his personal life and beliefs. So like during this time period, I don't feel like this fully shows this, but he was like moved about. I think he lived with maybe like an uncle or an aunt for a little while. He lived with his friend's family and it it makes me sad because it seemed like nobody wanted him. Mm-hmm. It like, was hard. So instead of like doing the hard work, they just passed him on somebody else. Right. And like, can you imagine what that's like as a child to have nobody? I mean, nobody say you're staying here with us. We're going to make this work. Like we love you. We care about you. And this is going to happen. Yeah. But instead like you're getting kicked out of places. I mean, I think something I saw said that he like stayed with like the uncle for like a couple weeks and he was like, Nope. Or the aunt, whoever it was, they were just like, I can't do this. And it's just, I don't know. It would, it would not feel good to be too much for Mm -hmm. people to want to. Well, and it, and it also kind of rewards the behavior that if I act bad enough, I'll go somewhere else and then yeah, I'll and go you're somewhere getting, else. Like, attention. Yeah, yeah. 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 And then I don't know just how hard it would be to like be that age, going to school, doing the things growing up and have that going on. So Although uninterested in sports, Cobain was enrolled in a junior high school wrestling team at the insistence of his father. He was a skilled wrestler, but despised the experience. Because of the ridicule he endured from his teammates and coach, he allowed himself to be pinned in an attempt to sadden his father. Later, his father enlisted him in the Little League baseball team where Cobain would intentionally strike out to avoid playing. Hmm. I didn't know that was a choice. I totally would have done that in softball. (laughs) Well, I mean, if you strike out, you don't have to run. So I mean, I guess I, you you know, I did probably strike out (laughs) just not on purpose. 
<laughs> you don't even have to string the, swing the bat if you don't want to. I mean, <laughs> I know I definitely did that one year. We had a very tight rule in the family where if you signed up for something, you had to finish it out. And I signed up for softball in like middle school and oh my gosh, it was like the worst experience. I hated it, but it wasn't all sports. I liked soccer, but man, softball was not for me. (laughs) But anyways, um, he befriended a gay student at school and was bullied by peers who concluded that he was gay. And in an interview, Kurt said that he liked being associated with a gay identity because he didn't like people. And when they thought he was gay, they left him alone. He said, I started being really proud of the fact that I was gay, even though I wasn't. His friend tried to kiss him and Cobain backed away, explaining to his friend that he was not gay, but still stayed friends with this, this boy. And according to Cobain, he used to spray paint God is gay on pickup trucks in the Aberdeen area. Police records do show that Cobain was arrested for spray painting on vehicles, but the phrase was, ain't got no how whatchamacallit. Hmm which I don't know what that means. <laughs> Me neither. That's a big old long word. Yeah. Must've been on a pickup truck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they must've got that part right. Um, so he was arrested for that. Cobain often drew during classes and he would draw objects, including those associated with the human anatomy, probably boobs. And that means, oh, I was going to say dicks. <laughs> really? Well, if he wanted to keep up his gay appearance, maybe it was dicks or boobs. Yeah. Whatever. All hey, of it. Whatever. All of the yeah. things. <laughs> you draw what you want to. Um, <clears throat> when given a character assignment for an art course, Cobain drew Michael Jackson, but was told by the teacher that the image was inappropriate for a school hallway. So he probably grabbed, you know, drew him grabbing his penis or something. Mm, probably. He then drew an image of then-president Ronald Reagan that was seen as unflattering. Through art and electronic classes, Cobain met Roger Buzz Osborne, who was a singer and guitarist of the Melvins, who became his friend and introduced him to punk rock and hardcore music. As attested to by several of Cobain's classmates and family friends, the first concert he attended was Sammy Hagar and Quarter Flash, held at the Seattle Center Coliseum in 1983. Cobain, however, claimed that the first live show he attended was the Melvins, which played a free concert outside the Thriftway supermarket where Osborne worked. That's cool. Yeah. Just like start (laughs) up a show. Mm -hmm. Uh, Cobain wrote in his journals of this experience, as well as in interviews, singling out the impact it had on him. As a teenager living in Mana, what a, Montecino? Montecino, I don't know. Yeah, Washington. Washington. <laughs> Cobain eventually found escape through the thriving Pacific Northwest punk scene, going to punk rock shows in Seattle. So I feel like that experience, like meeting this buzz person, really opened up his musical experience and started him off on the track that led to nirvana that is too cool yeah uh so during his second year in high school cobain began living with his mother in aberdeen and then two weeks prior to graduation he dropped out of aberdeen high school upon realizing that he did not have enough credits to graduate and his mom gave him a choice she said you either need to get a job or you gotta go after one week cobain found his clothes and other belongings packed away in boxes mm-hmm. feeling I know, right? Feeling banished, Cobain stayed with friends, occasionally sneaking back into his mother's basement. 
Cobain also claimed that during periods of homelessness, he lived under a bridge over the Wishkaw River, an experience that inspired the song Something in the Way. His future bandmate, Chris Novel Selector. Yeah, <laughs> nailed it. Oh, wait, you know what? I'm dumb. I think there's just a missing space there. Chris Novoselec later said he hung out there, but you couldn't live on those muddy banks with the tides coming up and down. That was his own revisionism. So basically saying like he could not have lived down there for any period of time. He Uh probably just hung out there. But like one week? Yeah, that's nothing. Yeah. That's like Hmm. no time at all for a kid to get a job. Like chill out. So really (laughs) she didn't want him there is what that means. Yeah, that's exactly what that means. She didn't want him to be there after a week. Like, that's That's ridiculous. Yeah, nobody can get a job in a week. Well, I mean, they can, but come on. Right. In late 1986, Cobain moved into an apartment, paying his rent by working at the Polynesian Resort, which was a themed resort on the Pacific coast at Ocean Shores, um, which was Ocean Shores, Washington, approximately 20 miles west of Aberdeen. During this period, he traveled frequently to Olympia, Washington to go to rock concerts. And during his visits to Olympia, Cobain formed a relationship with Tracy Marinder. And the the couple had a close relationship, but one that was often strained with financial difficulties and Cobain's absence when touring. Marinder supported the couple by working at the cafeteria of the Seattle-Tacoma International Airport, often stealing food. That just makes me sad. The like people are so poor that they have to steal food. Like, oh, I hate that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. During, like, that's nobody should have to fight. For- no, take. Yeah, nobody should have to have hunger and feel the need to take things from their especially place if they're of working. work or anywhere. Like, yeah, yeah. That puts your job at risk. So it's sad yeah. that somebody felt like they had to. They, I mean, not feel they have to. Some people have to mm-hmm. do that. Yeah. During his relationship with Mariander, Cobain spent most of his time sleeping into the late evening, watching television and concentrating on art projects. Her insistence that he get a job caused arguments that influenced influenced Cobain to write about a girl, which was featured on the Nirvana album Bleach. Mariander is credited with having taken the cover photo for the album, and she did not become aware that Cobain wrote about about a girl about her until a year after his death. years years after his death I feel like this is a little so I think it's interesting because there's like so much conflicting information and even something as simple as this is conflicting to what I had seen because when I watched that documentary that's on HBO Max Miranda was on on the documentary they interviewed her and basically it sounded to me like she was saying, you know, she spent all this time working and like was supporting him so that he could do his art yeah, and um, was giving him time to do that. Like, it sounded like she wanted him to be doing that. And then when they split up, she made it sound like they split up because he just got like too big. Oh, like he dropped her, like whenever he hit it big. Oh, yeah, that's kind of what it made it sound like. So it, you know, that's a little bit of, I mean, that's really completely conflicting with this because this makes it sound like she was like naggy. Mm -hmm. And uh, when they interviewed her, she basically said, you know, I was supporting him to give him the opportunity to do these things. So at the same time, like if you have to steal from your job 
because you don't have enough money. Like that's not nagging. That's just like you we gotta do to what survive you survive here. Do. Yeah. Like yeah. get a freaking job and do art after work. Right. Yeah. Yep. I, I had to defend her. No, it's like, fine. I, <laughs> I mean, I, I I see that as well. And it sounds like he was not, I mean, he was just like staying home all day, like sleeping weird hours and yeah. like doing whatever he wanted. So I don't know. Um, so soon after a separation from Miranda, Cobain began dating Toby Vale. And she was an influential punk scenester of the riot girl band Bikini Kill. Have you heard mm-hmm. of Bikini Kill? Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. You've probably seen pictures of her if you don't know who Toby Vale is um because uh, i don't remember what the show was called but there was something with amy poehler in it do you remember that Mm -mm. did you watch that no they okay so there's like this it's about a girl in high school um but amy poehler is her mom and they're like I, i honestly can't remember all the way what the movie is about but there's a picture that it has Amy Poehler's head on it because her she was, used to be like a punk rocker, and it's literally a picture of Toby Vale and her band with Amy Poehler's like head on her head. I'm pretty oh, sure. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I was like, hey, but oh, I'm um, looking her up when right I saw her, she she's a cutie. Yeah. yeah, she's pretty cool. Yeah. So after meeting Vale, Cobain reportedly vomited, overwhelmed with anxiety caused by his infatuation with her. So he thought wow. she was so cool, he straight threw up. And this event inspired the lyric, love you so much, it makes me sick in the song aneurysm. While Cobain regarded Vale as his female counterpart, his relationship with her waned. He desired the maternal comfort of a traditional relationship, which Vale regarded as sexist within a countercultural punk rock community. Vale's lovers were described by her friend, Alice Wheeler, as fashion accessories, Mm-hmm. Cobain and Vale spent most of their time together discussing pol- political and philosophical issues. And then in 1990, they collaborated on a musical project called Bathtub is Real, in which they both sang and played guitar and drums. They recorded their songs on a four-track tape machine that belonged to Vale's father. In Everett True's 2009 book, Nirvana, the biography, Vale is quoted as saying, Kurt would play the songs he was writing. I would play the songs I was writing and we'd record them on my dad's four track. Sometimes I'd sing on the songs he was writing and play drums on them. He was really into the fact that I was creative and into music. I don't think he'd ever played with a girl before. He was super inspiring and fun to play with. So it sounds like they were like a good match, but she was not into like being a one man band. Yeah, like didn't want the conventional relationship and that it kind of just died out from there. Yeah. Hmm. Slim Moon described their sound as like the minimal quiet pop songs that Olympia is known for. Both of them sang and it was really good. Cobain's relationship with Vale inspired the lyrics of many of the songs on Nevermind. While he was discussing anarchism and punk rock with friend Kathleen Hanna, which was another member of Bikini Kill, Hanna spray-painted Kurt Smells Like Teen Spirit on Cobain's apartment wall. Teen Spirit was the name of a deodorant Vale wore, which I wore, and you wore. I wore that, too. I wore the purple kind. wore that. I think Um, I wore the green kind. Was that a color? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. 
Cobain, unaware of the deodorant, interpreted the slogan as having a revolutionary meaning and it inspired the title of the Nirvana song, Smells Like Teen Spirits. <laughs> How much do you love that story? Oh, yeah. I had, I not, mean... <laughs> I had not, like, known that, which, why would I? But, I, I think mean... Well, I think it's funny that a rocker from Bikini Kill wore Teen Spirit deodorant. Like... How many options were there? That I don't know. I feel like she'd be more of like a secret person. But hey, you know. Yeah, I don't know. Teen Man, Spirit was cheap. It was great. And it smelled really good. And it was probably full of terrible chemicals. Yes. All of <laughs> the above. It smell really good. <laughs> I would like to smell that again now that we're thinking about it. We can it. probably buy it still. Do you think? Do they still make that? I don't I, know. Let's look. I don't know. Hold on. Oh, you're going to find out right now. deodorant. This is like, an, like it leads into a rabbit yeah. hole of all the things. Do they still Hell make it? Yeah. yeah. Shut up. Oh my God. They did have a green kind. It was cool coconut. Mine was berry blossom. Cool coconut does not sound like something they I would wear. Streets or sweet strawberry and pink crush also. No, I guess it was cool coconut. <laughs> yeah. Sounds more <laughs> like you than all the it. other ones. Yeah, that must yeah. have been it. Ooh. Do you remember those little sprays? Those little sprays that who made those? It was um oh Did I know who you're talking about. Those? They have it's Calgon, wasn't it? Calgon take me away. I had the blue one. They still make oh, those. Oh, and I used to wear the like Hawaiian one. Yeah. Is that what we're talking about? Okay. Yes. Those were, that's not what I was talking about, but yes, I remember what you're talking about now. Yeah. Well, Morning glory. Morning was- Glory, yes. And I used to wear the Hawaiian one that was like yellow or white uh-huh. spray colored yellow, I think. Hawaiian ginger. Yeah, that's what I used to wear. Ooh, do they still make those? They do. Oh my I think gosh. I have some in my bathroom right now, actually. The Morning Glory stuff? Yeah. Oh my God, those so funny. Kicking it old school, man. Wear, I used to wear So Pink from Gap too. That was my mm-hmm. favorite. It smelled like grapefruit. They don't make that anymore. I wish they did. I would buy it still. Man, there's. I wasn't talking about that though. I was talking about, do you remember those really small? I think they were like smaller and it came with like a bunch of different ones. And there was like one with like a moon on it and one with like, do you remember what I'm talking about? I don't remember that. Guys, help me. If anybody remembers what I'm talking about, comment. (laughs) It's going to be really hard for me to Google what I'm talking about, but you don't remember those? No. They were so good. There was a whole bunch of different ones that you like that smelled different and they're whatever. They were great. Hmm. All these old smell things. I don't know. I was trying to search for it and I couldn't find anything. So yes, if you know what she's talking about. Yeah. There was like a light blue one with a moon on it. I feel like that was one that I really liked and a peace sign, a pink one with a peace sign. Oh, were they roller? Like were there were yeah, they rollers? I think they I think they were rollers. I think I remember. You know what I'm talking about. Hold on. Hold the phone. I'm just listening to you ch- <laughs> typing away over I'm gonna here. find this. I know exactly what you're talking about now. They were rollers. There was a purple one. Yeah. It was I don't like oh what was that old What's the old i don't know why lip smacker is like coming in my head yeah. like maybe they made that 
I have to do more digging, but I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, let's do 90s. Was it the 90s? Yeah. Yeah, it was definitely the 90s because we were not. Oh, that's not it. You know, aged. We were definitely little babies. But yeah, they used to do that. And I think, do you remember the lip smack? I think it was lip smackers that did like the pop up lipstick. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. We have yeah. like the coffee kind. Yeah. <laughs> we're like I do remember that. With all this crap <laughs> on our face. That cracks me up. Oh, we're man. Cute. Oh, the good old days. Anyways, so smells like teen spirit. <laughs> Got inspired from teen spirit deodorant, which we wore. Which was good. <laughs> in the days yeah it was good it was good it was worth uh, making a song about yeah i'm glad somebody did it but yeah so i thought that was cool so moving into the time frame of courtney love uh there are differing accounts of the date that kurt first met courtney love although the actual events they all basically remain similar in his 1993 authorized biography of nirvana Michael Azarod cites a January 21st, 1989 Dharma Burns gig in Portland where Nirvana played a support while the Charles R. Cross 2001 Cobain biography has love and Cobain meaning at the same stature icon. Yeah. Stature icon. Sure. Nightclub. I feel like if I just said it with confidence, nobody would Satricon. question Satricon. Satricon. Nightclub venue, in, <laughs> <laughs> nightclub venue in Portland, but a different Nirvana show um, on January 12th, 1990, when both still led ardent underground rock bands. So long story short, they met at a concert, mm-hmm. Nirvana's concert, them in support. Love made advances, but Cobain was evasive. And early in their interactions, Cobain broke off dates and ignored Love's advances because he was unsure if he wanted a relationship. Cobain noted, I was determined to be a bachelor for a few months, but I knew that I liked Courtney so much right away that it was really, it was a hard struggle to stay away from her for so many months. Love first saw Cobain perform in 1989 at a show in Portland, Oregon. They talked briefly after the show and Love became attracted to him. Everett True, who was an associate of both Cobain and Love, disputes the earlier versions in his 2006 book, claiming that he himself introduced the couple mm. in 1991. So it's like, nobody Come knows. On, dude. And, and you know what? They probably don't know because they're both probably on drugs. Like, <laughs> nobody knows what year, when, what's going on. I mean, this literally is going from 1989 through 1991. So that whole time was just like a like, blur. Like we met somewhere in this two year range. Like you would think they would know. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> or somebody would know, but well, and yeah, this ever, he's just trying to jump on that train. Like it was, me. Oh yeah, I did it. It was me. <laughs> I did it. Yeah. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Cobain was already aware of love through her role in the 1987 film straight to hell, which I've not seen that. Um, According to True, the pair were formally introduced at an L7 and Butthole Surfers concert in Los Angeles in May 1991. In the weeks that followed after learning from Grohl, Dave Grohl, that, yeah, Dave Grohl, the man, that Cobain shared mutual interest with her, Love began pursuing Cobain. In late 1991, the two were often together and bonded 
through drug use, which is why nobody knows when the fuck this happened. When they met. Yeah. <laughs> or what they were doing. <clears throat> On February 24th, 1992, a few days after the conclusion of Nirvana's Pacific Rim tour, Cobain and Love were married on Waikiki Beach in Hawaii. Love wore a satin and lace dress once owned by Francis Farmer, which do you know who Francis Farmer is? No. I started to look her up because I didn't know either, but apparently she was like a big deal. I think she was like an actress. I don't know. I'm not really going to speak on it. Like an anarchist kind of actress, like like old timeies. I don't know. Okay. And Cobain donned a Guatemalan purse and wore green pajamas because he had been too lazy to put on a tux. So he pulled like a Hugh Hefner. I mean, have you seen them? Like, have you seen their wedding pictures? He's literally in plaid pajamas. Like, How lucky. what the heck? How lucky is, <laughs> is she? <laughs> like i don't know it's it's kind of cute but also like oh god what a train wreck um both of them yeah eight eight people were in attendance at the ceremony including Grohl. and in an interview with the guardian love revealed the opposition to their marriage from various people kim gordon of sonic youth sits me down and says if you marry him your life is not going to happen it will destroy your life but I said, whatever, I love him and I want to be with him. It wasn't his fault. He wasn't trying to do that. <laughs> so, Dang. Yeah. Love was already pregnant and the couple's daughter, Frances Bean Cobain, was born August 18th, 1992. A sonogram of the couple's as yet born baby was included in the artwork for Nirvana single Lithium. Hmm. Yeah. I didn't know that. Strange choice. Which, like, which thing? <laughs> like putting the artwork in the single for lithium. Oh, yeah. I don't <laughs> know. Your sonogram. Yeah. <laughs> All right. In 1992, um, an article in Vanity Fair, Love admitted to using heroin, not knowing she was pregnant. However, Love claimed that Vanity Fair had misquoted her. But the event created a media controversy for the couple. While Cobain and Love's romance had always been in the media's attention, they found themselves hounded by tabloid reporters after the article was published, many wanting to know if Francis was addicted to drugs at birth. The Los Angeles County Department of Children's Services took the Cobains to court, stating that the couple's drug use made them unfit parents. Love later claimed to have ceased heroin use upon learning of her pregnancy. And I mean, we've all not done heroin, but have maybe drank when we were pregnant and didn't know it. Like, I mean, it happens. Yeah. I mean, when you don't know you're pregnant, what do you want? Right. Yeah. Um, but I think like this whole situation, like this article that was published from Vanity Fair, it really like caused a lot of problems for them, like very stressful mm-hmm. situations. They were like hiding out from people. And, um, like after that tabloids, like when Francis was born, tabloids were basically reporting that she was born addicted to drugs. Like they were like, she is addicted. And then like later we're like, she's not addicted anymore. Like she's a fine, normal, healthy baby. Like good for her, you know, weeks after like they weaned her off of heroin, which who knows, 
if any, like, I would assume it's not true, but tabloids were printing it. So, you know, people, you know, people just believe that, that what they read is true. Yeah. Yeah. Terrible. Like that should be a happy time, you know? Right. Like how stressful and awful. And then all of that resulted in them taking them. And in fact, I'm pretty sure they made Francis, like they took Francis away from Courtney and Kurt during the time that the Los Angeles County department was taking them to court. And they were like with family, like they didn't take her and put her, you know, in foster care or something, but, but she wasn't allowed to be with them. Man, that's hard. Like, yeah, it's a mess. It's sad and terrible. So, I mean, drug use in general is terrible all around, causes problems for everybody. But I mean, and then too, once again, on that HBO documentary, um, I'm going to scroll down real quick. It's, it's called Kurt Cobain montage of heck. If <laughs> excuse me, anybody wants to watch it, just FYI, because I keep talking about it and then mm-hmm. saying it's on HBO max, but it is, um, there's, you know, video of him with Francis when she's a baby and I don't know, it's just like interesting to watch and see like the interactions between them and, you know, whatever available out there. So following a tour stop at terminal Einzen in Munich, Germany on March 1st, 1994, which this is, you know, what like two years later Mm -hmm. Cobain was diagnosed with bronchitis and severe laryngitis he flew to Rome the next day for medical treatment and was joined there by his wife on March 3rd 1994 the next morning love awoke to find that Cobain had overdosed on a combination of champagne and ropnol Cobain was immediately rushed to the hospital and was unconscious for the rest of the day after five days in the hospital Cobain was released and returned to Seattle Love later stated that the incident was Cobain's first suicide attempt. Mm-hmm. On March 18, 1994, Love phoned the Seattle police informing them that Cobain was suicidal and had locked himself in a room with a gun. Police arrived and confiscated several guns and bottles of pills from Cobain, who insisted that he was not suicidal and had locked himself in the room to hide from Love. Mm. And here's where it starts. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. Obviously, their relationship was, like, a little bit toxic. I don't know. Yeah. Things were not going well during this time, obviously. So, Love arranged an intervention regarding Cobain's drug use on March 25th, 1994. So, a few days after Kurt had locked himself in a room to supposedly get away from her. Mm Mm-hmm. The 10 people involved included musician friends, record company executives, and one of Cobain's closest friends, Dylan Carlson. Cobain reacted with anger, insulting and heaping scorn on the participants, and eventually locking himself in the upstairs bedroom. However, by the end of the day, Cobain agreed to undergo a detox program. Cobain arrived at the Exodus Recovery Center in Los Angeles on March 30th, 1994. The staff were unaware of Cobain's history of depression and suicide attempts. When visited by friends, there were no indication to them that Cobain was in any negative state of mind. He spent the day talking to counselors about his drug abuse and personal problems, happily playing with his daughter, Francis, and these interactions were the last time Cobain saw his daughter. Oh, that's so sad. Mm Mm-hmm. 
So the following night, Cobain walked outside to have a cigarette and climbed over a six foot high fence to leave the facility, which he had joked earlier that day would be a stupid feat to attempt. He took a taxi to Los Angeles airport and flew back to Seattle. On the flight, he sat near Duff McKagan of Guns N' Roses. Despite Cobain's animosity towards Guns N' Roses, Cobain seemed happy to see McKeegan. McKeegan later stated he knew from all of my instincts that something was wrong. Most of Cobain's friends and family were unaware of his whereabouts. On October 2nd and 3rd, or I'm sorry, April. April. I want it to be October. Um, (laughs) April 2nd and 3rd, Cobain was spotted in numerous locations around Seattle. On April 3rd, Love contacted private investigator Tom Grant and hired him to find Cobain. Cobain was not seen the next day. On April 7th, amid rumors of Nirvana breaking up, the band pulled out of the 1994 Lollapalooza Festival. That's a big deal. Yeah, yeah, huge. And like things are falling apart. Yeah, obviously. On April 8th, Cobain's body was discovered at his Lake Washington Boulevard home by electrician Gary Smith, who had arrived to install a security camera. Apart from a small amount of blood coming out of Cobain's ear, the electrician reported seeing no visible signs of trauma and initially believed that Cobain was asleep until he saw the shotgun pointing at his chin. A suicide note was found addressed to Cobain's childhood imaginary friend Boda that stated that Cobain had not felt the excitement of listening to as well as creating music along with really writing for too many years now. A high concentration of heroin and traces of diazepam were also found in his body. Although conductor David Woodard had built a dream machine for Cobain. Yeah. Reports that Cobain had been using the psychoactive device excessively in the days Hmm. leading up to his suicide were contradicted by later findings. Cobain's body had been there for days. The coroner's report estimated he died on April 5th, 1994 at the age of 27 so he had been there for like three days supposedly wow and was was courtney there no she was she was not i'm pretty sure she was in a rehab facility oh okay i don't know if we talk about that later or not but i think that's potentially where she was so she had hired a private investigator to find him on the third because nobody knew where he was because she didn't know where he was at and nobody like he had been seen around town and stuff but like nobody knew she didn't know exactly where he was he wasn't in contact with her supposedly and then mm-hmm. i thought this dream machine bit was interesting there's like an interview where kurt's talking about this dream machine and it's just like it's what you think it is where they put something on your lights and it's like strobe lights and you have like sensory deprivation kind of stuff going on and supposed to relax you and put you into like a weird state, I guess. But, um, so Cobain had been using that, but I don't know, I guess there were reports that he was using it excessively prior to like you could have a bad trip from it or something. I don't, well, I would imagine. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I think you can have a bad non-drug induced trip with one of those too. Yeah, right. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. A public vigil was held on April 10th, 1994 at a park um, at Seattle Center, drawing approximately 7,000 mourners. 
Pre-recorded messages by Novosek and Love were played at the memorial. Love read portions of the suicide note to the crowd. That's kind of weird. Um, crying yeah. and chastising Cobain. Near the end of the vigil, Love distributed some of Cobain's clothing to those who remained, which is also weird. Um, girls said that the news of Cobain's death was probably the worst thing that had happened to me in my life. I remember the day after that I woke up and I was heartbroken that he was gone. I just felt like, okay, so I get to wake up today and have another day and he doesn't. Mm-hmm. Sad. Billboard reporting from Seattle on April 23rd stated that within a few hours of Cobain's death being confirmed on April 8th, the only remaining Nirvana titles at Park Avenue Records on Queen Anne Street were two heart-shaped box import CD singles. A marketing director at the three-store Cellophane Square chain stated that all three stores sold out about a few hundred CDs, singles, and vinyl by the morning of April 9th. A buyer at Tower Records on Mercer Street said, it's a pathetic scene. Everything is going out the door. If people were really fans, they would have had this stuff already. That's true. So, but oh, it's yeah. human nature, though, too, I think, to want to hear and listen. Because, like, yeah. just like whenever Prince died. I listened to Prince in my life, but I really listened to it after he passed just because it brought it up. You know, I don't know. Yeah. It makes you think about it and you're like, oh, I want to be, I don't know. It makes you feel like you're a part of it a little bit Mm -hmm. or like, I don't know. Yeah. Same. I think I do the same thing where I'm like, oh, I'm going to check that out. Yeah. More than I have been. So Grohl believed that he knew Cobain would die at an early age, stating that sometimes you just can't save someone from themselves. And in some ways, you kind of prepare yourself emotionally for that to be a reality. Dave Reed, who for a short time was Cobain's foster father, said that he had the desperation, not the courage to be himself. Once you do that, you can't go wrong because you can't make any mistakes when people love you for being yourself. But for Kurt, it didn't matter. The other people loved him. He simply didn't love himself enough. Mm. Isn't that line like so interesting? I, it gave me goosebumps. Like I, when I saw it the first time when I was taking notes, I was like, wow, I don't it's know. Just hit, it hits me some sort of way. Like he had the desperation, not the courage to be himself. It's yeah. like separate. But then at the end, when it says it didn't matter that other people loved him, he simply didn't love himself enough. Like, oh. I think it happens a lot. Yeah, it does. Like, think about, I mean, I can think about people in my own life that I feel like this way about makes that. I think that's why it makes me cry. Yeah. (laughs) Cause you can't love somebody into taking care of themselves into like being mentally okay. You know, you can't, you can't love people into that. They have to figure it out themselves. So like, I don't know, that just like feels like a weight. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I like, I don't know. That just hit me a certain way. Yeah. (laughs) A final ceremony was arranged for Cobain by his mother on May 31st, 1999. So like a while, a fair amount of time later. Yeah. And was attended by both love and Tracy Miranda as a Buddhist monk chanted daughter Francis Bean scattered Cobain's ashes into McLean Creek in Olympia, the city where he found his true artistic muse. And then there's a bench in Viretta Park through tribute graffiti that has become an improvised kind of memorial to Cobain. And his death has since been a topic of public fascination and debate. 
his artistic endeavors and struggles with heroin addiction, illness, and depression, as well as the circumstances of its death, have become a frequent topic of controversy. According to a spokesperson for the Seattle Police Department, the department receives at least one weekly request to reopen the investigation, resulting in the maintenance of the basic incident report on file. Wow. Yeah. In March 2014, the Seattle police developed four rolls of film that had been left in an evidence vault. No reason was provided for why the rolls were not developed earlier. According to the Seattle police, the 35 millimeter film photographs show the scene of Cobain's dead body more clearly than previous Polaroid images taken by the police. Detective Mike Sienski, a cold case investigator, was instructed to look at the film because it is 20 years later and it's a high media case. Sienski, I think I'm saying that wrong each time, but stated <laughs> that Cobain's mm-hmm. death remains a suicide and that the images would not have been released publicly. The photos in question were re- later released one by one weeks before the 20th anniversary of Cobain's death. One photo shows Cobain's arm still wearing the hospital bracelet from the drug rehab facility he checked out of just a few days prior to returning to Seattle. Another photo shows Cobain's foot resting next to a bag of shotgun shells, one of which was used in his death. So these are out there? Yeah. Yeah. I don't look at that kind of stuff. We won't be posting that. Usually. Yeah. I mean, I do. I do. Sometimes <laughs> I do. I don't like looking at anything graphic, honestly, because it gives me like nightmares. But um, yeah, uh, they're out there. So in the years following Kurt's untimely death, there have been a lot of serious questions asked regarding the legitimacy of his suicide, with multiple inconsistencies and conspiracy theories emerging. Indeed, the majority of those theories revolve around one person, one Miss Courtney Love. Mm -hmm. So um, many people believe that in the weeks prior to Cobain's death, that he was planning to divorce Courtney. In Nick Broomfield's 1998 documentary, Kurt and Courtney, Eldon Hoke, also known as El Duce, lead singer of Seattle band The Mentors, Claimed Courtney Love approached him at a record store in Hollywood and offered to pay him $50,000 to kill Kurt Cobain. You had some deal with Courtney, right? Asks Broomfield. Yeah, she offered me 50 grand to whack Kurt Cobain. Two days after filming the interview with Broomfield, El Duce was mysteriously run over by a train in Riverside, California and killed. Does that happen often? (laughs) I would, I mean, no. I wouldn't think venture to say that that's no. not a typical way to go. Um, there were no witnesses and his death was pronounced an accident. The toxicology report carried out on Cobain's body concluded that he had, and so we're moving back to this. So before we move over back to that, I would just like to say the only time that I've heard of people dying from like train getting hit by a train is like in their car, if it's like stuck and they don't get out fast enough. And then two, where I went to college, there was unfortunately um, train tracks, like a bunch of train tracks running in between our campus and where the bars were. And it didn't happen while I was there, I don't think, but there were times where people would pass out on the train tracks and like people were hit. Yeah. Yeah. 
That is the worst yeah. case scenario I've ever yeah. heard of. Like find a better place to pass out. Wow. And, like you're by yourself apparently. Cause I mean, any decent human's going to drag somebody off of the train tracks yeah. if they pass out there. So yeah, like, I don't know. I mean, that kind of thing, I guess happens, but like, this is suspect, right? Like, yeah, definitely. Hmm. I don't know. Pretty, pretty suspect. So the toxicology report carried out on Cobain's body concluded that he had injected himself with over three times the lethal dose of heroin prior to his death, causing many people to question his ability to roll down his sleeve, pick up a heavy shotgun, turn it on himself, and pull the trigger. Police reports following the investigation into Cobain's death stated that there was no legible fingerprints on the gun cartridge, the shotgun itself, or the pen used to write his alleged suicide note. Many people believe the note itself to be forged. Hmm. The theory, yeah. The theory lays out that the note doesn't hint at suicide at all until its final lines. Instead, it was in fact a pre-written letter from Cobain informing his fans that he had decided to end Nirvana and leave the music industry with the final lines being added in by the supposed killer in an attempt to suggest suicide. Oh, well, like... If you're going to commit suicide, like I understand why you would choose a shotgun because it's got more spray. Like it would only take one time, but me and you shot shotguns. Can you imagine trying to position that and then pull the trigger? Like that just is unnatural to me. Like it would be really, you would have to use like your toe or something like to get it. I don't know. Well, so because of this there were like police have done this um like as part of the investigation they like reenacted the situation Uh to show that you could in fact do this i'm sure you could i just it's just an awkward choice right yeah yeah like it doesn't seem like that would be my choice of gun no. If I was going to kill myself, because it just seems complicated. I mean, I guess you know for sure like the job's going to get done, but it just seems complicated. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I thought I had taken the suicide letter in here into my notes, but apparently it didn't save when I, because I did that at the end. I was like, you know what? I'm going to put this whole thing in here so we can read it, but apparently I did not. Um, so if we, do you want to read that in here? Yeah, we could. Okay. Well, we all find it. It's easy to find. But like, if you look at the suicide letter too, it's like written one way all the way through, like in the same handwriting, the same like pressure, the same size. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of it, it gets like funky. Yeah, it gets weird. Like the, the handwriting still kind of looks the same. Like the letters are still made the same way but it like it's big oh yeah I see it and like weird right so it's almost like it really does look like two at the at minimum it looks like parts of it were written at two different times yeah you know so it's like weird maybe we won't read it but maybe we'll post it so you can see like because it does definitely like yeah it definitely looks like it was I don't know if maybe he just got tired or he was trying to fill the pages, but I don't even know if the handwriting really. It doesn't look the same. Matches. Does it? Like part Especially of it Francis, does. like for Francis, 
that does not yeah. look like that looks like more bubbly. I mean, I'm not a freaking handwriting analysis person, but it just, yeah, it either. looks weird. It does look weird. Well, and if you like actually read the letter, like it's true, it does sound like he could be writing to say like, I'm over this. I can't do this anymore. Like with Nirvana. Yeah. Not like his, saying yeah. that this is like, I'm done. And like at the end of it, he puts like, I don't have the passion anymore. And so we'll remember it's better to burn out than fade away. And then signs his name, like signs, peace, love, empathy, Kurt Cobain. And then at the end, it's like basically like a PS yeah. part. And that's the part that makes it seem like a suicide note. And it's all this like added portion. It's so bizarre. And it's bizarre to me that I know they had people like look at it and I don't know. I just feel like that part alone is like so effing suspicious. Yeah. Like that is the one thing. Cause like I would buy that he killed himself. You know, he sounds mm-hmm. depressed. It sounds stressful. He sounds sad. And it's clear too, like through different things that he was not happy with his music. Like if you watch interviews, he's like, this is bullshit that he has to interview with like places that shouldn't even be listening to his music you know Mm -hmm. like he didn't want mainstream people to be buying into his music it seemed like he wasn't writing it for everyone he was writing it for particular people yeah like a certain kind of person and you know I think he was like dismayed with that so it's just like I I could buy that he killed himself but then the suicide letter (laughs) the suicide letter quote unquote is just like so freaking questionable yeah I don't know Okay. So, so we'll post that on Instagram and Facebook. So you can see the, the difference of the beginning and then the bottom gets a little crazy. Um, So perhaps the largest advocate for the reinvestigation into Cobain's apparent suicide is in fact, Tom Grant, who was the private investigator hired by love following his initial disappearance that we talked about. Grant told the New York Daily News in 2016 that he believes Courtney Love is a psychopath and sociopath. He claims that Love was involved in a conspiracy in the death of Kurt Cobain. A former detective with the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department, Grant ultimately came to the conclusion citing several motives, one most likely being money and Cobain's supposed plans to divorce her. He runs a website, CobainCase.com, a very thorough resource in which he divulges evidence collected in both written and audio form since 1995. 23 years on, Grant, as well as thousands of Nirvana Nirvana fans, still hold out hope that Seattle Police Department will one day take a harder and more in-depth look at the death of Kurt Cobain. Wow, so he's dedicated. Mm -hmm. Yeah, It's, it's wild. Yeah, he, he feels a very strong, certain way about things. So for the rest of this, I basically this is like rehashing what we've already discussed, but like broken out. So these are like the different articles of evidence against the official theory of suicide. Uh, the first one being Kurt's heroin levels. So Cobain had taken heroin shortly before killing himself and drug paraphernalia was found next to his body. Post-mortem tests found a very high level of the drug in his body, 1.52 milligrams per liter of blood, which that sounds like a lot. That I does don't really sound know. like a lot. Yeah. I don't know <laughs> I don't either. I really know but... how this works, but it sounds like a lot to me. Yeah. Um, 
Theorists claim this would be so much that Cobain would be unable to hold the gun and pull the trigger. However, other experts say this would depend on how habituated Cobain was to heroin and if he had already been using for a few years, which he had been. Indeed, a dose that would put a 300-pound man in a coma would likely be barely enough for an addict like Cobain to even nod off. So they're saying, like, it is nuts that your body can get so used to that. And that is the thing, too, with heroin. Like, people overdose all the time when they come out of rehab facilities because they don't realize that their body can't do that anymore. Like, it's scary. But, But, two, I don't know. It sounds like an awful lot. And if I remember correctly, like all of his stuff was like put back. Oh, so like, he shot it and then like, like he didn't, yeah, like rolled his sleeve down, put his needle back, like put everything back into like a box thing. So like if they're saying it was so much that he should have been like completely incapacitated immediately to do that. And then all the other things he did seems like a lot. Yeah. Okay, the next one is the gun that we kind of talked about. Mm-hmm. He killed himself with a long-barreled shotgun, which is suggested, which it, it is suggested, I agree, would be hard to shoot yourself with, especially in the head. However, the police seem to accept this was possible. For comparison, Ernest Hemingway killed himself with a long-barreled pigeon gun. Seattle police reportedly released photos showing an officer posing with the gun in various positions it would also later determine the entry wound was through the mouth okay so he was kind of down on it holding it yeah farther which is very easy to do with the shotgun and using one's thumb or forefinger because it's very easy to do i still don't know if it's very easy to do no i would not pretty complicated i agree I agree. I don't know. I would just pick something different. I mean, <laughs> if it <Same>. were me. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> Which it would never be me, but if it, it will would never be. be me either, but yeah, just there's so many other options. I don't know. There, so lost or missing evidence is another official or evidence against the official theory. So there were theories that the gun had been melted down as part of a conspiracy, but police released a series of photographs in 2016. This misapprehension may have arisen because Love declared an intention to have Cobain's other guns melted down while the suicide weapon remained with police. So basically she said, like, I'm having all his guns melted down. And people thought that she melted down the gun he committed suicide with. I wonder what she did with the guns when, like, did she get the metal back? I don't know. I don't know. That's weird. I've never heard of that before. Okay. There were also a number of rolls of film taken by the police, which were not released until long after the death. And a note by Cobain was not released until 2014. So this drip, drip, drip of information fueled conspiracy theories. So all that time had gone by where there was like notes not released or pictures unreleased, you know, all of that. Mm -hmm. Tom Grant claimed that Seattle police either botched the investigation or deliberately lied to cover up the true culprit. And whenever they do that, whenever they give little itty tiny bits of information all it does is create a conspiracy because you're trying to fill in the holes yourself and then you know the internet is what the internet is and all they can do is talk about what they think happened and then the next thing you know that that was you know it's just like telephone 
And like, I get it in cases where it's an active investigation, but in this case, they had said like, this is a suicide, the end. Yeah. So like, why not release everything that you have at that point? Yep. I don't know. Okay. So we talked about the suicide note, um, but we'll just go over it again, that it's been asserted either that Cobain did not write the note or that the note did not refer to the suicide, but to his plans to either leave Courtney or Nirvana. According to the latter theory, Cobain only wrote a part of the note. Somebody added references to suicide at the end. The last four lines are written much less neatly, which could mean they were added by love or a hitman, which we know she tried to do, or they could have been written after he took some of the drugs just prior to his suicide. Tom Grant, a leading proponent of murder mysteries, murder murder theories. theories. Uh What's wrong with me? Claims to have... Claims to have found a handwriting practice sheet from Love's handbag, which shows Love had been practicing faking Cobain's handwriting. Now that is suspicious. Right. Very suspicious. That's suspicious. Yeah. A second note was released by police in 2014, sometimes incorrectly described as a suicide note. It contains criticisms purportedly by Cobain of Love, He calls her a bitch and complains about her being obsessed with money. There is no indication of when the note was written. Even the Daily Mail, always keen to bash love, conceded it could be taken more than one way. Was the note written in anger by a resentful Cobain, desperate to escape his unhappy marriage, or was it a play on words penned with the knowledge of love that the musician carried around to remind him of their unconventional bond? Who knows, right? Later, um, love stated that she had the she had written the note so later she said she wrote this note a, a claim supported by two sources who examined the handwriting including love's sister nicole john carroll and a former employee of the kurt cobain estate who was closely examined um cobain and love's journals so somebody who like had read through their journals additional comparisons between the note and other samples of love's writing had lent support to this claim Hmm. so who knows uh if my husband was carrying around a note that said that i'm a bitch that loves money i mean Mm. where's the lie but also not cool dude (laughs) not cool (laughs) that's not how i want to be remembered (laughs) right (laughs) all right so there were also claims that courtney lied about an earlier suicide attempt so Cobain overdosed on Rehypnol in March 1994 and was hospitalized in Rome, Italy. At the time, Love said that Cobain had attempted suicide while a doctor was treating him reported that it didn't look like a suicide. This could be seen as an attempt by Love to promote the idea that Cobain was suicidal. However, it only is circumstantial evidence at best. And if you believe Love planned to kill Cobain because he announced he was leaving her, which was the most plausible motive, you would have to construct a timeline that includes Love finding out about his plans well in advance, dropping hints of suicide, and then waiting a month before killing him. So that would be a very drawn out long end game there. Playing a long game. It wasn't just like a crime of passion. Right. Yeah. Like she was playing it for a while. If that yeah. was the case. Uh, the, the last thing is that same PI Tom Grant claimed that Cobain's lawyer, Rosemary Carroll 
told him that Cobain was planning to change his will to exclude love as part of plans to leave and divorce her. This could be a motive for love to murder him. However, Carol has since refused to comment. So it's hard to know if that was fact or not. She won't (laughs) comment on whether or not that was really happening. So, I mean, that there would be huge. Yeah, that's a lot of money. And if he was going to change as well as, as part of his plan to divorce her, I wonder how far in advance he would have like said that and maybe love found out. I mean, who knows that? I mean, that's a huge thing. So I don't know, but basically, yeah. Hmm. I don't know what I feel. I don't know. Yeah. It could go either way. Like really, but that is that I always thought I knew. Did you know all of this stuff? No, I always thought that I just knew that the bitch killed him. That's all I knew. Yeah. But I don't know if that's true. Who knows? I mean, it could go either way. So really, it's just, you know, this is like a really tragic story of his life and ended way too soon. And yeah. Wow. What do you think? What do I think? Yeah. In my soul, I think she killed him not personally but i think she she did hit me yeah i don't think he committed suicide but what the f do i know (laughs) right i don't know i don't know i mean he's a troubled man yeah he was definitely troubled and was stressed and i'm sure like stressed beyond belief at this point having a young child and Mm -hmm. doing tour and like i said i think it's pretty clear like he was not really happy with where his fame was going it's so interesting to me when people are like let's start a band let's like do this thing and then they're like shit I did not want to be famous yeah like I really don't think he wanted to be famous and he just wanted to be in the calling him yeah and people were calling him like the voice of a generation like that's stressful yeah so I don't know I mean he had a lot going on so that's why like for me I don't know I could see it going either way but I'm just gonna I'm gonna just stick with my original theory and she killed him she definitely did yeah Yeah. I don't know Hmm. hard to say what do you guys think let us know yeah that is yeah there's a lot of stuff in here that I did not know yeah there's a lot I mean there's a lot of good documentaries out there for different things like like I said that one on HBO Max is more just like about his life but there was another one I watched before that was like completely surrounding his death and like what led up to it and all that i know there's a one soaked in bleach was a big one maybe that was it maybe that was it i don't know yeah i think that's on amazon prime yeah i can't remember now what it was but there's a lot of documentaries out there about him so i don't know and then let's just say before we end this what about this freaking kid with the with the child pornography thing because his wiener was out on the nirvana album trying to sue them are you joking me dude what a total joke i mean it would be one thing if like he was somehow taken advantage of but like there's pictures of him recreating this every year like uh, oh yeah that looked like it was real traumatic for you right the point is is that you don't have any money and this is what you have to do to try to get some and that's sad like stop you should stop (laughs) you can stop you're fine and you're famous your little baby wiener in the 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 pool is famous 
Yeah. Like what an opener. It was, yeah. it was an opener. You can't do it now. Cause everybody's like, what a total little bitch. <laughs> right. Right. You ruined it. Freaking you ruined, ruined it. Yourself. <laughs> so ridiculous. It had so many but, chicks. Yeah. What a mess. I, I was very surprised to hear that. And then just like died when I saw all of the recreations that he yeah. does, does like every year. Like, yeah. what do you, what, what you can't do that. It's the internet, man. We have all this information. Right. You're not <laughs> fooling anyone. Right. So silly. Well, let me cite my sources. Um, so I use Wikipedia, rationalwiki.org, thecircular.org. And then the Kurt Cobain montage of heck is the documentary that I watched while doing the notes so awesome all right well let us know what you think it's an interesting one could go either way yeah i want to know what you guys think give us and literally nobody's gonna figure it out i mean if it hasn't been figured out yet we will never know the answer i mean what kind of evidence could they ever find that would like tell you for sure right yeah no unless the at this point unless it was a hitman and he comes forward but I mean, yeah, it was probably that old Duce guy and he got ran over by a train. That's true. That's true, too. Yeah, that just blows my mind still. Right. That's, that's another whole new thing I have to be anxious about now is trains you should running me over. Just about trains. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I just didn't know that uh, they could do that. Yeah, they can. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So great for my anxiety all right well we hope that you all have a good week and we we will see you next time bye bye